The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Charles, I uh, I did not see this conversation coming. The fact that we were going to talk about the NFL, about, about week eight in the NFL in the year 2021, and we would be gushing over Mike White, uh, Trevor Simeon. Uh, like what, what is happening, man? This, this season is just, it's, it's so bizarre. Yeah, we have Cooper Rush. I, I forgot. I even forgot about Cooper Rush. Like, yeah, I mean, Mike White came in this week and put in the first Jets 400 yard passing game since Vinny Testaverde in 2000. I, it was so funny. Like, I, I, you know, we'll get into this later, but I looked it up and yeah, the Jets passing numbers, like, <laughs> since the merger, like, I think Joe Namath has like 20% for 400 yard passing games. He retired. He, and like, I've met him before. He's an old man. It's a, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a weird, weird, weird week in the NFL. Uh, it's a yeah. It's just. Uh, I think you said it when we were talking. Like, it felt like a week where there were not real consequences. Like a bunch of stuff happened and weird losses. Like, uh, you know, the Jets end up uh, beating. They beat the Bengals, right? And the Bengals just crushed the Ravens. And yeah. Like we think the Ravens, you know, there's stuff like that that just happened. Like Tampa Bay lost to New Orleans, even though New Orleans lost Jameis Winston. Like, does that really mean anything? It's just one of those NFL weeks where uh, you might look at it and say, well, okay, there's a lot of stuff here, but it's so hard to read that much into it just because I don't know. It felt like, I mean, it was Halloween, right? Like this, this was a an NFL uh, that happened on Halloween and it just felt like, I'm not sure how much we really learned from any of this. Uh, you know, the Chargers lost to the Pats. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's taking the Patriots super seriously yet. Uh, Tennessee has pulled ahead uh, by beating Indianapolis, but Derrick Henry's hurt. Uh, you know, so there's all these things that, like, uh, it's it's really muddled. The picture is is more muddled than ever, I think, uh, which is why people love the NFL, right? There's yep. it's just always... Always stuff happening. So we're going to go over. Uh, you just published your four verts column. We will go over your observations there. We're going to go through each game, uh, just sort of run down uh, our takeaways from, from what happened. And, uh, you know, we are recording this as the trade deadline ticks <laughs> ticks nearer. Uh, is We basically had the, you know, the Von Miller trade is, I, I think, almost certainly going to be the biggest trade out of the trade deadline. Uh, the Steelers shipped Ingram to uh, the Chiefs earlier today, so the Chiefs mm. get some pass rushing, much-needed pass rushing help, Melvin Ingram. Uh, so those are the deals so far. Uh, I, you know, I don't I, – I'll ask you this later, whether the Chiefs are, are really going to be in, in, uh, in the running at the end, but – uh, we certainly know that the Rams are all the way in uh, after picking up on Miller and, and certainly seems like they should be uh, be there at the end. So and you have a you have a delightful little take on them in the foreverts uh, that we will get to. So, yeah, a lot going on for this show. Um, but let's start with this. Uh, your first note in the foreverts is Mike White and this guy. <laughs> 
I I jogged my memory a little bit. I was like, I think he played at Western Kentucky. I think he was one of the quarterbacks that was at the combine. And Stephen Ruiz, who you know always did our uh, ranked quarterbacks, like just refu- I think refused to acknowledge him. Uh, he had he had really <laughs> bad Stephen. Yeah, he had really bad combine numbers. I remember. Like I think he I think he was one of those guys who's like. Played well at the Senior Bowl. People are like, oh, sneaky pick, sneaky pick. And they went to the combine and just put up, like, you know, exactly the numbers that you would think the Western Kentucky quarterback would put up as far, you know, I, I think his throwing was fine, but his, all the other numbers looked very pedestrian. Uh, now he comes in and, and, you know, this Jets team that was, it's built around having a young, inexperienced quarterback doing things. Uh, that was supposed to be Zach Wilson, but. Instead, Mike White is just came out and tore stuff up. How did this happen? Uh, I mean, he he honestly put together like I mean, I, I spent a couple years on the beat covering the Jets, and honestly, like this would have been easily the best best quarterback game that I'd seen, uh, you know, during my time there. And I, I, you know, I am just baffled that he put up this performance because. You know, it, it's not like at any point, like when he was in the in the offense, like during the preseason or right, whatever. Right. Like he, he's never looked like this capable, and then uh, just kind of came in and, for lack of like a better term, like just executed the offense the way it was supposed to be called. Uh, you know, I, I think you know one big difference between this week and then what you've seen from uh, like Zach Wilson in in the over the past couple of months is. Like, he just kind of took the easy plays and didn't try to, you know, force anything really that wasn't there. His two interceptions that came were uh, really just bad luck plays, like two def- two deflected passes uh, that were intercepted in enemy, enemy territory, uh, and that was, uh, you know, unfortunate for him. But like that was in the first quarter, and after that, uh, especially like once he got towards the end of the first half, he's kind of caught fire <laughs> but you know it was it was kind of really weird i mean just you know tight window throws uh you know the ball's coming out as soon as he finishes his drop like guys are open and it just kind of was like an eye-opener like oh, okay maybe mike before does know what he's doing when it comes to calling offense and uh maybe zach wilson's a guy who who really just needed more seasoning and i uh, was you know, in a situation where he just needed a little bit more time and some space to figure this out. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what happens moving forward because uh, when Robert Sala was asked about Mike White, like being the quarterback, you know, for an extended stretch during the season, uh, he didn't like exactly say no. Uh, he's right. you know, basically said, you know, you guys can hypothesize about that all you want. But uh, if he was being more definitive about that, he would have just immediately said, you know, Zach Wilson's going to be the quarterback when he gets back. But I think when you, see a performance like this and it's a performance that, you know, we briefly said like when we're getting started, but uh, the Jets, they hadn't had a a 400 yard passer in 21 years before this. The last one was Vinny Tessaverde. And I think before that, like it was guys like Joe Namath and uh, Ken O'Brien who were, you know, playing quarterback before I was alive and, you know, probably before Corman was alive too. So, uh, it, I'm definitely doing name so yeah. <laughs> on that one, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's just kind of bizarre, and I'm interested to see like how far this can go. We got the Thursday night game uh, against Indianapolis coming up, where you know Mike White has potential for success again, uh, and I, I think the funniest part about this is it's looking like you traded for uh, for Joe Flacco for absolutely no reason because uh, you know even when Mike White got hurt like briefly during the game. 
Uh, Josh Johnson came in and he had what should have been a touchdown to Denzel Mims. That was an absolutely great throw. Uh, that was dropped, like it hit him right in the chest and he dropped it. So like, it, it looks like you didn't even really need Joe Flacco uh, because you might have two better quarterbacks on the roster right now. But, you know, that's just Jets being Jets. Look, man, I used to uh, go to the same playground sometimes as Joe Flacco. It's, he's just a nice guy to have around. He's just a friendly, you know, he's just a friendly, friendly fellow to have in the in the locker room. Yeah, friendly just fellow. Hang, he's just hanging out. Um, was there any inkling from people around the Jets beat that this might like like you said, like people that get to watch some practice or talk to players, like they generally know, like oh, if that guy steps in, he's probably gonna have some command of the offense. Or was this just a total surprise? Uh, this kind of felt like a total surprise. I mean, like I've, I've seen Mike White practice before. Uh, I've <laughs> I've seen him in preseason games before. I in. Totally shocked by this. Uh, and I mean, look, there's a reason coming to the game. Uh, the Bengals were 10 point favorites on the road. So right. I, I don't really think that anyone saw this coming. But hey, like good for Mike White. And then, you know, at the end of the game, uh, yeah, after Joe Burrow throws the interception, they they come back, score a touchdown. And then Mike White, like kind of ices the game on the Philly special that they threw, right. uh, which was look, if you're a Jets fan, like honestly, in the past, like what ten years, it's probably like a top five Jets moment. <laughs> oh <laughs> no! Like Mike oh. White catching a, a Philly special to beat the Bengals uh, in Week Eight. Like that's a that's a top tier Jets moment where right. they've been over the past uh, you know decade or so. So you know that that was that was a fun moment and uh, honestly, like probably one of the more exciting moments uh, in general from like a pretty weird uh, Week Eight. Yeah. Uh- yeah, I mean, this feels like one of those instances where now that they know that Mike White is probably fine and, you know, it's not like the Jets were built for this year anyway. Like, I, th- I think uh, Zach Wilson's injury was originally one of those two to four week deals and he was surely going to try to rush back and they were going to try to rush him back. It's, it feels now like maybe you just wait. Uh, Mike White is, I think he was a transfer back in the days when, when you transferred, you have to sit out. So he's like 26, 27 years old. I mean, he's, you know, he's much older than Zach Wilson. Uh, and this is just, uh, you know, he just sort of had, like he said, he had like a mature approach to the offense. Like he sort of ran it the way it was supposed to be run. Whereas I think when you watch Zach Wilson, he's still trying to, exactly figure that out as we talked about when Wilson was going into the draft he had one great college year like before that nobody saw it coming uh so there's a lot to his game that still needs to be refined so I don't think the Jets are going to panic if they opt to let him sit out a little bit and let Mike White run this thing and uh you know the future is certainly Zach Wilson uh but there's no no need to rush him back at this point. Yeah. Well, is um, future Zach Wilson? We'll see. We'll see. On yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're certainly going to play it out, right? Like, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see on Thursday what, my, what white Mike has to say. About <laughs> um, speaking of quarterbacks who are the future, uh, the, your second, second part of the four verts is, is it time to worry about the charges offense? And uh, is it? Is yeah. I, I, worried I, about I, Justin Herbert. I'm not worried about Justin Herbert. Uh, not in the slightest, really. I'm more worried about, like, just the overall cohesion. Because the weird thing about the Chargers this year is the running game is fine, uh, which is, like, a kind of a stark change from where they've been in years past. I mean, I think even last year, the year before, they were, you know, bottom of the barrel just because they couldn't block anyone. But 
uh, now, you know, just in terms of like EPA, I think they're, you know, top two, top three in the league. So uh, they can run the ball just fine, but the passing game has kind of been sporadic, uh, which is, it's, it's kind of hard to parse because you look at it just on, on the surface with it and it, you're like, all right, well, we got Justin Herbert, who is just incredible as a rookie. And honestly, like when I watch him play uh, outside of like that Baltimore game, I don't really see like any declines in terms of, you know, his ability to throw the football. Like, you know, you're going to have a bad game here or there. But overall, like he still looks like one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, you know, Keenan Williams or, or excuse me, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert. Like when you look at those three things. Uh, on the surface, and you you add a, a pass catching back like Austin Eckler, these things it, it seems like it should be pretty easy, like to generate uh, an efficient pa- an efficient passing game. But they just really are not there right now. And I think when you look at that Patriots game, the way they lost that game, it, it just kind of brings back uh, you know, or, or I guess like all the bad things about their passing game kind of manifest himself. And to me, like it's almost like a like a coaching malpractice where you're you're sitting here and you're like, oh well, we got this big strong arm quarterback we got mike williams who has shown in the past that he could be one of the best deep threats in the game uh you know he had a season with philip rivers or maybe even last year where uh he averaged 20 yards per catch which is just you know absolutely obscene and then uh keenan allen on the other side i mean he can he's as steady as they come but they kind of live in like this little conservative passing game which is a little bit weird when you're talking about a quarterback who can throw a ball over a mountain and you know even if you don't have like the big speed threat guys. Like I think one, one guy that they really missed this year, which is, you know, a little bit weird because he's not being used with the Jaguars is uh, Tyron Johnson. Cause last year when, you know, Herbert was coming out into the scene, like, I don't know if you guys remember like the game against uh, Tampa Bay last year where, you know, Herbert's just dropping bombs over guys' heads and you have uh, someone like Tyron Johnson, who went the four, three can come underneath and catch it. They don't really have that level of field stretcher, uh, this year. So, you know, I think maybe some of it is kind of like their offensive staff is trying to figure out how to get the personnel to fit in with, you know, the quarterback that they have. But for for as good as Herbert is, like you kind of just got to turn the keys to him and just say, all right, buddy, just go rip it loose and see how far you can throw it. Cause I know you've been pretty good at that uh, throughout your career so far in the NFL. So I think with the Chargers, Offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi, he's just kind of got to figure out, like, one, how do we get away from, like, some of this quick game stuff where, you know, we're sitting back here and just dinking and dunking down the field. And also, how do we kind of unlock this play action game a little bit more? Because right now they're averaging, you know, according to Pro Football Reference, they're averaging, like, 7.9 yards per attempt uh, on play action attempts, which is not – at all where you want to be. I mean, usually when you're talking about uh, play action numbers, like you want to be somewhere closer to like nine or 10 yards per attempt. So the fact that like you're getting out of your play action offense, well, like a normal, like a, like a regular above average passing game is getting out of like all their passes is uh, not exactly where you want to be. So I think with the Chargers, they just kind of got to open the playbook up a little bit more, uh, let her take more chances because there's also no reason why you should be like, bottom 10 in terms of air yards per attempt when you're talking about someone that that explosive as a passer. So I think with the Chargers, it's kind of hard, like, pinpointing one 
thing that's wrong with them, but I think they just kind of need to get out of their own way and just try to make more plays down the field than they have. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Joe Lombardi hire was interesting. I, I, I don't even remember if we talked about it at all, but, uh, Lombardi, I mean, he is related to Vince Lombardi. Uh, yeah. he, he's his grandson. He was Brandon Staley's coach in college, uh, at Mercyhurst, which is like a D2 school, uh, in or near Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, uh, like, and then he, most of his NFL experience was uh, with the Saints. He was with Drew Brees for a long time. Drew Brees mm-hmm. loved him, but like that's quick game. That's all quick game, right? He did leave and coach the Lions for a little bit. Uh, and, you know, and Matthew Stafford is probably a better comp for for what you want Justin Herbert to be doing. Uh, but he wasn't. I mean, those Lions, the Lions teams never thrived, right? Like uh, poor Matthew Stafford was just always on teams are having trouble but it's not like Lombardi really unlocked him or anything so uh it's it's an interesting like yeah I'm not sure that we really realize going into the season like wait a minute is this offense actually gonna work and now uh seeing it unfold it it doesn't seem like maybe the the most precise fit as far as uh philosophy of the offense coordinator and the quarterback uh so this is certainly a good uh a good take here on on sort of figuring out how that how that is working and, and what they need to do moving forward. Um, yeah, so. because they just they could just be so much better than they are right right now, which I think is kind of frustrating thing for Chargers fans. Like I think the defense, you're always like the defense needs a little bit of time to to get going because it's just not the same caliber of personnel that Staley had the Rams, but the offense you would like to see going a little bit earlier than they have now. Right. Uh, all right. Your third uh, bid on the four four verts here is uh, Dolphins should be sellers, not buyers. Uh, you know, we've been <laughs> making fun of the Dolphins all season, but this really was a a, a team and, and an organization that we thought was absolutely headed in the right direction. Uh, you know, after I think they were 10 and six last year, defense looked really good. Obviously, that's not very repeatable, but it felt like the offense was going to be better because Tua had some time. He had been coming off the hip injury. You know, like we just felt like this was going the right direction. Uh, and now you're advocating that they they sell at the deadline and, and you know, maybe take a few steps back to get to get back on the right path. What do you how do you see this going? Uh, I mean, the Dolphins, I guess the big thing with the Dolphins is, you know, the the rumors around a Deshaun Watson trade. And I just don't know, like, obviously without, I mean, you can't even say without because it's impossible to separate Watson from, you know, all the allegations against him. But Watson from who he is as a person. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) you can't can't really, you know, separate the art from the artist. It's kind of hard in this situation. Uh, But, you know, when you look at the the Dolphins, like before the season, even though like it's still a pretty, you know, abhorrent trade to execute, you can still kind of trick yourselves into thinking, all right, well, you know, we were 10 and six last year without great quarterback play. If we could just get a good quarterback in here, like what, what are the limits on this thing? But now you're one and seven. Uh, your season is effectively over, you know, it, it, in order for you to, you know, really make the playoffs at this point, the, the Dolphins, they would have to win out. And considering the fact that you've lost seven games in a row, it seems a, a little unreasonable to expect that the Dolphins will win out. I mean, your, your season's right. over at this point. Uh, so, I don't really see how it makes sense for them to look at this roster and, and say, all right, well, obviously, you know, we're not 
we're not all in on Tua, no matter what we say publicly. We're not all in on Tua because we've been, you know, playing around with the idea of trading for someone who has 22 allegations of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Like, that's how not in on Tua uh, we are. So I, I, I don't think it makes sense to, to, to point the finger at Tua and say, the reason we're one and seven is because of Tua. I mean, your, your defense is one of the worst in the league. Obviously the offense isn't, uh, it isn't faring much better on the other side of the ball, but you know, you've given up almost as many points, I think, as you did last year already, uh, or, or you're, you're headed in that direction. Uh, you know, you've given up like 30 points to the Falcons, 45 points to the Bucks. Even the Jaguars like had some success on offense. Uh, it, it's just really not a pretty picture. And I think when you look at like where this team is and where they're going, you kind of need those three first round picks that it would take to get Deshaun Watson to kind of start building out like the rest of this team. Uh, like I don't really know like if you trade for Deshaun Watson and you you meet the Texas trade demand, which is you know, three first round picks plus, you know, another impact starter. So if you're looking at like, you know, you're trading three first round picks Tua and like Mike Gusecki for Deshaun Watson, when you get that trade done, like you still have a pretty terrible team. And then on the other side, you, you're not sure with like what's going to happen with Watson uh, moving forward. So, you know, I, I, you know, as the weeks have gone on, I've been less and less like, convinced that this trade happens i mean right now we're recording this it's about 120 on the east coast we're a couple hours from the trade deadline doesn't seem like this trade's going to happen i think just kind of for good reason one like the dolphins aren't really in a spot where it makes sense to pull off a trade of this magnitude anymore uh maybe if you were like four and four five and three and like you're just trying to look for a little push to get you over the top uh maybe you could talk yourself into it but this is a team that i think kind of got fooled uh, with how they performed last year where, you know, if you, if you go back, like it's easy to get excited about where the Dolphins were uh, this time last year. But you have to remember, weren't getting a whole lot of production out of the quarterback position or offense in, in general. Uh, and the defense, as, as you know, productive as they were, it was largely predicated on turnovers, which aren't really happening this year for them. So I, I think they kind of need to take a hard look at this and regroup Uh and not pull off this trade because it just doesn't make sense for where they are right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I also wonder, I don't know. I mean, I, I, as I was thinking about this, like I wonder if Roger Goodell is just not doing anything with Deshaun Watson because uh, it's the path of least resistance right now, right? Like the Texans aren't playing him because they are beefing and he can just sort of not, he doesn't have to do anything, right? The guy's not going to actually take the field and embarrass the league by having a guy who's being uh, accused by 22, at least 22 different women uh, of sexual assault. Uh, You know, he doesn't have to do anything, so he's not. Uh, But if he got traded and like, somebody tried to waltz him out there, I just, I wonder, you know, it feels like, the NFL, the teams know this. They understand that they can't make this trade. I mean, you know, Deshaun Watson is an incredible player, right? But one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, probably. Uh, but it just feels like it's not not going to yeah. happen at this point. Um, so uh, the NFC West is your final uh, your, your final 
uh, of the four verts, and uh, you've you've labeled it here. The NFC West comes down to two Madden rosters, and you point out that it's like basically both these teams. Uh, the Rams are built by the Madden player who just doesn't care about the future and uh, just trades everyone every draft pick to to load up. The Rams now, so for the next draft, twenty twenty two, they have a third round compensatory pick, a fifth round pick, their own their their own fifth round pick, their own seventh round pick. And then they have another seventh rounder from the Dolphins. Uh, that's the other thing is the Dolphins have traded a lot of uh, draft capital already. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like, uh, but they, tr- they traded one f- for a keep to leave. Uh, and then they might get a fourth rounder uh, for losing John Johnson in free agency. And then they have, uh, a bunch of other compensatory picks. So, I mean, they have like nothing for 2022 and 2023 does not look much better. Uh, and then the, uh, the, the Cardinals are a Madden team because they managed to flip a crappy aging running back for a, a real wide receiver. Uh, and so that's, and they, they, these might be the two best teams in the NFC, right? It's not even just the yeah. NFC West. It's, it, uh, it's just, it's funny. Like when you look at how these teams have been built, uh, you know, starting with the Rams, I mean, basically all conventional wisdom has told you, you know, you got to slow play this thing. You got to build, right. you know, methodically through the draft and free agency. You got to uh, worry about the cap. You got to be right. careful. I mean, they ended up getting the, the Broncos are paying for Von Miller. Like, right. And I, I think when you look at what the Rams have done, that's cool. It's like, they, they aren't just like making random trades. I hear like, you know, the, the Seahawks sending two first round picks for, <laughs> for Jamal, Adams. Jamal Adams, right? Like it's, these are guys that are, you know, typically at like high positions of value. You know, you're talking cornerback Jalen Ramsey. And he was basically the key cog uh, in, you know, the their, their their defense yeah. last year and right. with the Jaguars before that. And then you right. look at the trade that's done with Matthew Stafford, where, I mean, to me, he's he's probably the front runner for MVP just based off of uh, his production so far this year. When you look at how he's playing, you basically spent two first round picks on a guy who looks like he's going to be your franchise quarterback for the next like five or six years. Uh, you know, assuming that Sean McVay wants to keep coaching that long and the lore of the Monday night football booth doesn't grab him. I mean, this is uh, one of the more like complete overhauls that they, like that we've seen in team in NFL history. And they've just done it in such an unconventional way where you've, haven't really lost the ability to stay competitive, which is kind of the hard part when you're going through a quarterback change like that, going from Jared Goff to, uh, you know, whoever would be next after that. And in this case, it happens to be uh, Matthew Stafford. It's pretty hard to just, you know, power through uh, the trades and ignore what people are saying on the outside. Oh, you shouldn't be trading all these picks. Well, it's worked out for them. And, and luckily enough for them, they've kind of drafted well enough on day three where, uh, they can kind of keep this thing moving in the right direction. And, and now you kind of top that off with the Von Miller trade where you, you're just going all in on a Super Bowl year. So I think I know like people who've listened to this a lot of you guys are probably playing Madden and you kind of get to a point where you're just like, you know what, I'm going to make that last little push. <laughs> See if I can get one of these superstar X Factor guys. And, you know, Von Miller, 32 years old, uh, that's – for for two day two picks, I know that people are going to say, oh, you know, you're going too all in. You shouldn't be trading all these picks. But, hey, like if you're going for a Super Bowl, like I kind of just respect the aggression and bucking, uh, you know, normal trends that we see. Because, you know, the thing that's special about this Von Miller trade is, 
you know, now Von Miller gets to go to. Right. He's playing next he gets, to Aaron Donald now. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Like you, you get this like, a totally for, different deal for the Rams. Like you're in a spot where Von Miller is the second best player on your front seven. And now not only that, but now you get to be in a spot where Leonard Ford is like your third best player. Um, right. And you, you're just creating depth among your starters, which is, you know, kind of key when you, when you get down to the postseason where you look at who are these teams that are like the, the healthiest and the best where we've got a three headed pass rushing duo on the front with Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and now Von Miller. And then on the backside, you know, we got <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. So it, it's, it's the, one of the most like, absurdly talented defenses that uh, I can remember. And it's just kind of fun to watch. And then the, the Cardinals, in the Madden sense, like they just kind of built like this goofy ass roster. Like we got a little, you know, five nine quarterback who runs a four three, can throw the ball out the stadium. Uh, we got a linebacker in Isaiah Simmons who's like six four two forty, but can run with any receiver uh, in the league. We got Rondell Moore who's like five seven, but he can play running back and wide receiver. Uh, and then Cliff, he just has like all these, you know, weird exotic formations that you see in Madden when you're like trying to trick someone online into. <laughs> uh, pulling up a big play. And then, you know, obviously, like, the, the, just the classic uh, Madden franchise glitch where the trade logic is never correct and you're able to ship off, like, David Johnson, a second-round pick for some like, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, you, you, I remember even when that trade happened, I think people were trying to put it in the game. And they were like, you keep, the interest level's no. not high enough on the part of the team that's giving away DeAndre Hopkins, which is, you know, how it should have been in real life, but this is... Uh, you know, the Texans are the Texans and they're, they're where they are for a reason. I, did, I just think it's kind of funny that you have the two, arguably like the two best rosters in the NFL from top to bottom, just built in like such weird, unorthodox ways that it almost seems like only a video game could replicate that. Yeah. I, do you think it'll change the overall thinking uh, for NFL teams or are they going to see these two as, as outliers? Uh, I I think the, the Cardinals might be able to shift some minds on like, you look at like the prototype for, you know, quarterback or a linebacker, like these positions. But I think with the Rams, it's going to be hard to get people to like follow that method just because like job security reasons where, you know, Sean McVay, he's bought himself a lot of goodwill. I mean, basically right. with McVay, how fast he got that thing turned around and how fast they reached a super, super Bowl. Uh, to me, it feels like he can coach there as long as he feels like it. Uh, and they're super Bowl contenders. So, I think maybe they're in a spot where they're like, hey, like we're not going to get fired. We can kind of play around with this and and take some bigger swings that other teams might not take. But uh, to yeah, that to me that's kind of like a job security thing. Until you know, owners and general managers are more comfortable taking those risks. I think that the Rams are going to be uh, a little bit kind of on their own when it comes to the, how aggressive they've been in terms of building their roster. Uh, all right, let's let's. Run through some games from week eight. Uh, we'll start with Monday night, Kansas City 20, New York Giants 17. <laughs> this is the difference between a good team that's broken and a bad team that's broken. Because <laughs> both of these teams are just, you know, there's there's not a whole lot going right. But uh, the the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, right? Um, and they just kind of found a way to, to muddle through this yeah, awful they, Monday night offering. Yeah, that was awful. Uh Absolutely terrible. And if, I mean, the Chiefs, like, they're they're better than the Giants. But, man, like, you should not be yeah. in a dogfight with that Giants team at home. Uh, it, it, they're, they're, they're not in a great spot right now. But luckily for them, this division has kind of come to a spot where uh, they're tied for last in division four and four. 
The Chargers are second only because they haven't played as many games at four and three, and the Raiders are five and two. So, you know, as bad as the Chiefs has looked this season, they're still in a spot where they can uh, come through and potentially win this division. But I think when you look at last night, it's just still kind of more of the same, you know, where you have these horrible turnovers, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey fumble, Mahomes interception and stuff that seems uncharacteristic for them. Uh, and you were able to just kind of squeeze out a win because the Giants are really that bad right now. So, you know, I don't yeah. think that that win is something to feel great about, but you, you kept the win going while you were uh, in the middle of, of a pretty tough stretch. Now they enter, you know, pretty tough part of their schedule where uh, they have the Packers, Raiders, Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Steelers, uh, Bengals. So that's a, right. that's a tough stretch for the Chiefs. Uh, stretch that probably looked a lot tougher now than they did at the beginning of the season, but they're going to need to get it together quickly if they want to make the playoffs because I don't think that that's a guarantee with this team right now. Right. Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm just seeing this that I didn't realize Henry Ruggs was in a car accident. Just looking through to see what's going on, he was in, I guess, a serious car accident, but he's expected to be okay. Uh, but yeah, the Chiefs have, you know, certainly in the next three weeks, we'll learn a lot about whether the Chiefs can salvage any part of this season. Uh, because, I mean, it, it's it's starting to feel a little bit like a lost lost cause, but uh, mm-hmm. probably can't out can't count out Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Sunday night game, uh, the Dallas Cowboys edged out the Vikings. You predicted this would be a good game. Uh, I'm not sure that you predicted that Cooper Rush would be the one leading <laughs> Dallas uh, to this win. But Yeah, I had no idea that Cooper happened. Rush was going to play. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I, guess, I feel like if you, had, if you asked Mike Zimmer before the game, no matter who the quarterback is, but you're going to tell him that you let, you held the Cowboys to 20, he's probably thinking that he won that game. Uh, right. And, you know, Kirk Cousins just gave you a classic Kirk Cousins stinker uh on 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 sunday night and i to me like there wasn't even like that much to learn like from this game it was just like oh you know the, the cowboys they got something done in the last second and kirk cousins had one of those kirk cousins games that we've seen him have a, a ton of times in the past it's not like you know this is something new for kirk this is just kind of what he does from time to time and uh you know the, the end of that game was not great for the vikings and uh, it's just kind of interesting because when you look at the Vikings, they have enough talent. They should be better than three and four, but they just put together these crappy games from time to time where uh, they get stuck and can't get anything done. So, you know, I I, I don't know like what you're going to take away from this game that you didn't know before. Uh, you know, I think it's impressive that the Cowboys have enough of a you know supporting cast that they can march down the field with Cooper Rush when it's time to go. And when Dak Prescott gets back into the lineup, which I'm assuming is going to happen next week, uh, you know, I think this Cowboys team is like legit ready to go on a, on a deep playoff run. Uh, let's go to uh, New Orleans, 36, Tampa Bay, 27. Uh, it feels like the big one out of this is what the Saints will do moving forward at quarterback. Jameis Winston, I think, uh, I'm not sure it's been highly confirmed, but certainly looked like an ACL injury. And, and they admitted right after the game that it was serious. Uh and then he would not be back. Um, they, you know, Taysom Hill has been out since week five with a concussion. Uh, you know, I don't think either you or I would think he's the right option anyway. Uh, so uh, Trevor Simeon came in and and played. But again, like there's enough guys out there, right? Like Cam Newton is sitting around somewhere uh, 
waiting for a call. Um, Nick, you, you know, there's Nick Foles might be able to be had in a trade. There are, there are other options, right? Like, what do you think the Saints will end up doing? Oh, I think they're going to stand pat because Sean Payton likes chaos and he's going to <laughs> try to keep running this thing with Taysom Hill. And oh, man. I, I, I really think that's what's going to happen. This should be the Taysom Hill slash uh, Trevor Simeon show. Uh, you know, people have been saying, oh, you, you got Ian Book, whatever. I mean, Ian Book, come on. He's sure he's a nice kid, but he's not going to be a factor uh, in this quarterback uh, situation. So, you know, it's going to be Taysom Hill who comes back from injury next week uh, and they play the Falcons. And I'm sure that Sean is drooling at the opportunity to beat the Falcons for a third straight time (laughs) with Taysom Hill. So, you know, they're going to let Taysom Hill, you know, get get the the reins for a little bit. They got to, you know, honor that funny money contract they gave him, which is like 95% fake that, the four right. years, a hundred forty million dollar contract that Taysom Hill signed. Uh, so they're going to honor that a little bit, and then I think you know they're just going to play it by ear. But I don't see them making like any big moves for them. So uh, when you I, say when you say he likes chaos, what he really likes is trolling uh, you and and the team you grew up rooting for. Yes, and yes. Beating there's them. nothing. Tight end there's, playing quarterback. There's nothing that Sean Payton loves more than <laughs> trolling against the Atlanta Falcons, and that's exactly <laughs> what he's going to try to do when. Uh, he puts Taysom Hill back out there again for like the third time. Ah, uh, man. Denver 17, the football team 10. Uh, I don't know. We, where, where is Chase Young? Like, what what happened? Yeah, he was a monster last year. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, the, the sacks just have not been there for him. Uh, right. Yeah, I think I think he might be like a little bit better than like, you know some of like the raw back like box score numbers look, but overall, like yeah, you were expecting a lot more production out of him, and you know in terms of this game, like there's nothing to say here. Uh, the Broncos seem like did they just punt on the season by trading Von Miller? I'm not really sure what just happened there. Right. Uh, and with the Washington football team, like you dropped a two and six, and now your season's basically over. So you yeah, know, this, where, this is, where- where does the football team go from here? I mean, do you stick with Ron Rivera? Like, what? I don't know. They're, what exactly is the plan? They're kind of in no man's land, like a lot of these teams, because right. where you have, because usually, like, you can at least look forward to, like, all right, well, this year sucks, but we're going to try to get a, quarter, a new quarterback next year. But next year, like, there really aren't any quarterbacks unless you're like uh, Matt Corral and Malik Willis guy, which to me, like, both of those guys would have been like the sixth or seventh best quarterbacks in this past class. So, uh, I I don't really know like what they're going to do from here, you know. Maybe that's a team that tries to get into like Russell Wilson sweepstakes after the season. But for now, like it's looking looking kind of bleak for the old uh, Washington football team, which is not something that's new to that franchise. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, that's, especially that's, for where they are right now. In the, that's the uh, Daniel yeah. Snyder way, really. Uh, yeah, you know, just be be terrible on and off the field and get away with it. It's- Magic. Uh, New England 27, Chargers 24. We talked a little bit about the Chargers offense. Uh, New England's defense looked good. You know, Mac Jones was not fantastic in this game. The defense uh, sort of carried. It, it felt like a, a Bill Belichick defense. You know, there's been, I think the last two years, really, there's been times where you could tell, you know, last year they had all those opt outs and he w- it didn't really have the guys he wanted in the places he wanted. And, um, you know, this year I think they were feeling their way, but this felt a little bit more like a, a Belichick defensive effort. Yeah, I mean the the Patriots defense is pretty good this year. Uh, yeah. I mean I know they have you know the the 
they gave up a 75 yard run to Justin Jackson. But outside of that, like they were pretty good uh, against the run against the Chargers. And, you know, they're, they're definitely picking up on opportunities for interceptions in the passing game. So, you know, I, I think that the Patriots, they might be a little bit underrated right now. And with them, it's just like, can you get enough out of Mac Jones in the passing game this year to kind of make a difference for the postseason? But when you look at their defense, this defense is as good as it's been in a couple years, I would say. Definitely a lot better than last year. Uh, they don't really even seem to be missing Stephon Gilmore this year. Uh, their point differential is plus 42. I mean, this is a team that I think is playing a lot better than their 4-4 four and four record so far. So I'm interested to see what happens with them as they move through uh, the season. Like, they've been competitive with the top teams, and they, they – uh, only lost to the Buccaneers by two. They were really close with the Cowboys towards the end of the game. So I think that this this Patriots team uh, is a unit that is probably a little bit underrated right now. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, even go on like a little winning streak here because coming up they have uh, the Panthers, Browns, Falcons, Titans. I mean, you know, the Browns game is going to be tough. But, you know, I think, you know, three or four of those games are are, are – winnable for for where they are right now so you know it kind of seems like the Patriots are getting back to maybe not like the ruthlessly efficient Patriots offense like with with Tom Brady and stuff like that but you're getting back to a team that you respect and kind of fear as you move forward yeah yeah I mean Bill Belichick man knows what he's doing uh we're on to the Seattle oh man Seattle 31 Jacksonville 7 uh, I guess the big story here is that Geno, <laughs> they did this with Geno Smith playing quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson tweeted a picture of the pin that is now out of his hand. Uh, so he should be returning at some point in the next little bit. Um, the Seattle team, you know, is chasing the, the, the Rams and Cardinals, uh, which will be a tough road. But uh, I mean, Jacksonville is just not, they're terrible. It's just right. I mean, I, mean, I, I was honestly, you know, I was going to write like a little jokey part about the four verts and the about the about the uh, Jaguars and the four verts column, and then I started watching, and I was like, "This sucks. This is it's not even fun." You know, uh, they they're so bad, uh, and the fact that you had two weeks off uh, to get the to, to game plan for Geno Smith. And, you know, the, the Seahawks, they were coming off a short week because they were on Monday Night Football last week. And you just got destroyed. Like, it wasn't even right. close. Uh, you got totally outclassed by a team that doesn't have their starting quarterback. And I, I guess, you know, for Urban Meyer, it's like all the attention's back on him. You know, you had the Deshaun Watson stuff and the Washington football team stuff and John Gruden emails you know, distracting for a couple of weeks. But now you're back in the line, my baby, and we all watched you lose. <laughs> 31-7 to seven to Geno Smith, but you had two weeks to prepare for that game. So uh, I don't really know where the Jaguars go from here. I don't know if they can have another, like, winnable game on their schedule. Uh, maybe their next best chance to win games are versus the Texans and the Jets, but they already got blown out by the Texans week one. It, this, this is just a really, really dark year for them. Uh, and even in a rebuild, like, you don't want to be looking this pathetic. So I, I don't really know where they go from here. Uh, I'm interested to see if like, if they just continue with this Urban Meyer stuff after the season or if they pull the plug because it just doesn't seem to be like a viable strategy for an NFL franchise. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, I mean, we've, <laughs> we've been on that boat for a while now. Uh, the question is just when, when they, when the Jaguars decide to do that, but, uh, it, uh, I just can't see a way that it, it pulls together that Urban Meyer makes this thing make sense. I mean, guy can't even go home with his team, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just a mess. Uh, Tennessee 34 Indianapolis 31. Uh, I, what does Carson Wentz do to people? Uh, because uh, people in Indianapolis were convinced like two two weeks ago that he was back. He was better than ever. He was reaching new heights. And now they are correctly saying what we've been saying for weeks now, which is that you cannot keep playing Carson Wentz and lose this first round draft pick for no reason. I mean, it's just it's just an insane path to go down. Uh, and, you know, he imploded at the end of this game. I think the Colts were up by two touchdowns to, to start. And then Wentz did what Wentz does, throws his uh, second interception of the game. Uh, and Tennessee comes away with this one and is now solidly in control of that division. Um, it's... Yeah, I mean, people keep falling for Carson Wentz because he just shows like he has one out of four plays that looks like, oh, wow, that guy's really good. But you got to be that guy more often than not. And he's never been able to do that. Yeah, it's just kind of a mess. I mean, the 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 pick six, I think I was in the fourth quarter. Dude, what are you doing? Like, just go down, take the sack, and you just right. drop the ball right. He's, and he's never there. learned that. I mean, this right. is not like that is that is his been his problem. The Eagles coaches talk to him about it, and it, it is, he's he just won't do it. Yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz he turns twenty nine uh, this year, so I think <laughs> at, at this point these are just like things that he does uh, as a quarterback, and you're just gonna have to either work around it or move on. But I can't imagine that the Colts are looking at this and saying like right now, if the NFL draft were held today, the Colts will be sending the ninth pick to the Eagles. And I, I can't imagine that the Colts are looking at this from a standpoint, like Carson Wentz has Carson Wentz's play has been worth the ninth pick in the draft or, you know, a, losing out on like a potential top 12 uh, selection. That is just kind of bonkers to me. And I, you know, come back to like the only really interesting thing about this Colts season now is unless they can rip off like a huge winning streak is when do you pull the plug on this Carson Wentz thing? And, you know, I don't think it's like all been his fault, but them losing that game on Sunday was certainly like <laughs> a, a big part was his fault. Right. He did not help. Uh, the Titans are going to be without Derrick Henry. They, the, he, he is having foot surgery. Uh, I guess he had it probably uh, earlier this week or uh, maybe today. I, I can't remember when they said it was going to be, but they're not putting a timeline on his return, uh, which seems overly optimistic. You know, this is a 240-ish pound running back, uh, and he's going to be trying to run on a, an injured foot. They have brought Adrian Peterson in. I think he's signed the practice squad, uh, you know, which is how teams do it now. They sort of bring him in through that door and then elevate uh, later. Uh, how uh, how much of an impact is – I mean, it seems like a ridiculous question, right? Derrick Henry is the best running back that we've seen in quite a while. Uh, how much of an impact will this have on this Titans team? Well, I think it's a huge difference, a huge impact, because I, I don't think that you – know, it, it's hard to replicate, like, what he does uh, on the field and, like, replicate, like, what he means to his offense. Like, I think that there's – I think for the most part, like, you know, you say running backs don't matter – yeah, like, you know, most most running backs are replaceable. You know, there's a lot of good running backs entering the league uh, basically every year. 
but Derrick Henry is like a different beast. Like it, it, the whole offense is kind of like, you know, structured around him, even if it doesn't like play out to that. When you look at stuff like EPA or per temp or whatever, like he is central to uh, making that offense kind of go a little bit. And now, you know, you're going to insert like Jeremy Nichols and Adrian Peterson in for Derrick Henry. I, you know, don't really see that working out in the same way that it was uh, for them with a healthy Henry in the lineup. And now, you know, the, there's going to be more of an illness on Ryan Tannehill to get this thing done and, and have, you know, a bigger share of the workload uh, on his shoulders. You're really going to need Julio Jones to, to get healthy so that he can play because, uh, you know, you're losing basically the focal point of your offense. And even in a game where he had 2.4 yards per carry, like you just have to watch it and you can see how much his presence opens up things for everybody else because, you know, you don't want to get beat by Derrick Henry running for like 250 yards and, you know, 50 yard runs. So that's going to make things easier for everybody else when that threat's there in the backfield. But uh, it, it's going to be tough for them. I'm interested to see like how they evolve. But for me, like they got to get Julio Jones back healthy and he needs to stay healthy or else this this could uh, really hurt their chances to get, you know, on a playoff run like they think they can right now. Right. Uh, San Francisco 33, Chicago 22. Man, what a frustrating game, right? Like just <laughs> Justin Fields, uh, I, like what, I just watched this game and think like, what were the Bears doing all along? Like uh, his 22 yard touchdown run that he, I mean, he just looks brilliant. Uh, and there's so little of that interspersed into this offense, probably because it was designed uh, around the idea that Andy Dalton would be running it, you know, so it's just clearly not optimized for what he can do. Like it's, it still feels like, it feels like this team is playing for the future. And it's just like, why, what, what are you waiting for to really get going? And then the same thing with the Niners, the Niners come back and, and win this game, but it's like the Jimmy G thing is just played out. Uh, like I'm just not really sure what's, what the end game is there too. So uh, just sort of a, a frustrating game to watch as, as a, as a fan who's not interested in either team. Yeah. I mean, we finally got the Justin Fields game we were waiting for like the right. touchdown he threw to Jesse James in the corner of the end zone, was just like crazy. Then you have, you have the touchdown run uh, as well. So, you know, for Bears fans, like you finally got a taste of like what real playmaking at quarterback looks like. Uh, not like what you've been trying to sell yourself with Mitch Trubisky over the past few years. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo finally had a pretty good game. Uh, didn't throw a touchdown, but he ran for two. And, uh, like, one of them was just, like, a complete improv play where he just able to sneak into the end zone. So he was able to stave off, like, the Trey Lance clamorings for one more week. But, uh, you know, it was just kind of disappointing that the, the Bears couldn't capitalize on Justin Fields' like really first good game uh, right. with, with, you know, as a member, as the starting quarterback of the team. So... Uh, you know, the 49ers, like they finally got the offense looking like they wanted to look like, but you know, on the flip side, it would have been cool to see Justin Fields pull that out and win that game. Yeah. I keep, uh, I was watching Justin Fields and just thinking like, man, this team should hire Brian Dable. Like this, this is the, this is the match that we need. Like they, they want to really figure out how to, how to use Justin Fields. Like he's a guy who would get it. 
but I guess we'll see what happens with Matt Nagy because they have shown a fair amount of faith in him all along. Uh, let's talk Bengals Jets a little bit more. We talked about the Jets side, Mike White uh, stepping in. What about the Bengals? You know, this is a team that was seemed to be ascendant and now uh, taking a little bit of a step back. Um, how, how serious do you think this team is as, as a playoff contender? Uh, he's in the Bengals, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't I don't. I'm know. just breaking your heart by talking about a Zach Taylor team this way. It's, it's, I, I don't. I, I don't trust him at all, uh, right. Zach Taylor. <laughs> I mean, I I don't really know how you could be all in on that. Uh, you just like, if you've watched the games, like the way that he manages the clock in the games, it's not not great. Uh, I think the Bengals like they have the skill talent, but I, I think it's fair to worry about like the offensive line. Uh, I thought the Jets' defensive line played. Played a pretty good game. I mean, Quinn Williams had a big sack on fourth down when the Bengals were in uh, scoring position. And you kind of see when there's a, a good interior lineman or a good edge rusher, that's something that they can still struggle with uh, from time to time. And uh, I, to me, I think this Bengals team was kind of like a year ahead of schedule because uh, they still got some holes. Like they got to, I think they need a little bit more playmaking in the secondary. Uh, you got to shore up that offensive line. And But you got, you know, you seem to have your quarterback and your skill talent. Uh, kind of settled out. It's just putting together the rest of the pieces that uh, makes you a little bit more of a complete team. So, you know, I, I think if you're a Bengals fan, like it's good to feel hope and progress about where this thing is headed. But I think you're still a year away from being like a really true Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this just feels like a team that is going through those ups and downs of, of figuring out how to win. It's been a long time since the Bengals were even in that position. So, uh, yeah, feels, it's been a really long time. Yeah, feels sort of natural for that. Uh, Buffalo is a different story. Buffalo beats Miami 26-11. Uh, this Bills team has been good for a couple of years. Uh, but this year, I, I mean, I don't think there's anyone who would leave them out of their uh, top contenders for the AFC. But also everyone, I think, would agree that this team has not really played as well as it can. Like this, I don't think we've seen like a complete game on offense and defense uh, where the Bills have reached that level. Yeah, it, they've, they've kind of been a little bit all over the place, and luckily for them, they've been able to win uh, throughout right. those games. But uh, for them, for the Bills, it's it's interesting because I still think that they're, like, probably the top dog in the AFC, but, you know, I can't really blame anyone that looks at their schedule and goes, oh, they haven't really played anybody. Uh, because, I mean, they haven't. Uh, their schedule is not really going to get much harder over the next couple of weeks where you got, uh, you know, game against the Jaguars and Jets back-to-back, so they should be 7-2 and heading into their game against the Colts, uh, you know, in, in a few weeks. So uh, I'm really interested to see, like, how that plays out for them because they should smother those two teams. And I think when you get to the end of those Jaguars and Jets games, you're probably going to be looking at the defense and saying, wow, like, this is probably one of the best defenses that we've seen uh, in quite some time, but uh, just in general for them, like they they haven't really played anybody, uh, and I think it's fair for people to be to be side eyeing them a little bit uh, when it comes to how how they're going to perform in the postseason. But you know, just look at the players in the roster, look at the coaching staff. This is still one of the best teams in the league. Uh, it's just kind of you know you you side eye a little bit when it comes to. Uh, how they're going to uh, perform, perform in the postseason. Right. Uh, 
Sorry, I, I lost my place here. Oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's because I have to talk about Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Uh, Steelers 15, Browns 10. I have a theory that Mike Tomlin got so offended about the rumors of the USC job because he has no intention of coaching in the pack, uh, whatever, pack, whatever it is now, 16, how many ever teams there are. Uh, he wants to coach in the Big Ten. That is what I took away from the way that this game was played by the Steelers. I think they ran the ball. 32 times or something and threw the ball 34 times. I mean, they just really grinded it out, which is, is the right strategy when you have Ben Roethlisberger playing as your quarterback. Um, this was just like a, I mean, it looked like a big 10 football game. It was, yeah, it was, it was disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I, I did not really enjoy. Don't hold back. Chuck. Yeah. Don't it was, it, it was a, a foul disgrace of the game. They didn't really enjoy rewatching some of this stuff. Uh, it, was, it was it was like a classic AFC North rock fight, and that's kind of a right, right, football that has yeah. uh, not become as interesting to me as I get older. Uh, you know, I need the fireworks, I need the touchdowns, and this game didn't really have it. But I think you know, if you're looking at this game from a Steelers perspective, at least they were able to like move the ball a little bit, which is more than they've done most weeks. I mean, they finished the game. Uh, averaging the 5.4 yards per play, which I think is like still like slightly below the league average, but it's better than what they've been doing uh, for most of the season, it feels like. And, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson had another nice, another nice game. Najee Harris got going a little bit. So, like, you have to positive on offense. And for the most part, you were able to, like, corral one of the better offenses in the league. Baker Mayfield came back, but he wasn't particularly effective. Still can't get on the same page. Uh, with Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb didn't do all that much outside of like a you know a twenty or so yard run uh, in the game. So you know Steelers defense they did what they had to do. Steelers offense did just enough, and it's an excruciatingly boring style of football to watch. <laughs> yeah, the Odell Beckham thing I just blew up. By the way, his his father has posted uh, I'm, uh, a couple different places. I think uh, a video showing. Odell Beckham open and Baker Mayfield appearing to sort of ignore him. Even LeBron James has uh, now calling to free Odell. But I mean, uh, as you watch, like, is there any cre- – I mean, it's sort of one of those things that I think fans read into, but it's generally not true. But, it, I mean, is Baker Mayfield freezing out Odell Beckham Jr.? I don't think he's freezing him out. They just, for whatever reason, are not on the same page, which is just kind of – bizarre uh and just in general like this this Browns passing game has not been uh all that impressive in recent weeks I mean you know really starting with that game against the Cardinals a couple of weeks ago and I know that you know you, you had Odell you had a Baker Mayfield out for the game against the Broncos on Thursday night but even against the Steelers you know this isn't like a team that is performing in the way that they need to or, or, or ways that we expected so I'm a little bit confused at what's happened with this Browns offense but I think when you look at the kind of like the totality of it. They still have so much talent that and, – and Kevin Stefanski is still a good coach. I think they figure it out. But it's just kind of weird that we look at these players, we know how good they all are, but they just haven't been able to kind of piece it together. We uh, we did this to the Lions, right? We, we praised the Lions up and down last week. We were so excited about how hard they play and players really buying in and thought maybe they'd get their first win straight up against the Eagles. And then – the Eagles, the, the Eagles team from week one uh, that thrashed the Falcons re- reappeared out of nowhere uh, and won 44 to six. I, I mean, again, this is like one of those games. Like, I don't I'm not sure you can take anything 
for either team out of this game. It just sort of was like a football game that happened. Uh, the Eagles lost their starting running back, uh, Miles Sanders, and decided to finally run the ball and did it well against the Lions. And that was that. <laughs> you know, it's just like there's not a whole lot to, to go off in this game. It was just sort of happened. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing to say about it. Yeah, there's nothing really to say about that. Uh, actually, I got sidetracked a little bit because I saw the news with Henry Ruggs. Uh, he he just got charged with the DUI resulting in a death. So, oh jeez, yeah, uh, that's that's why I got distracted for a little bit. I was like, oh my god, uh, not funny, but breaking uh, breaking news on. Um... I keep trying to refresh for trades. I feel like we're going, we're going to get a huge trade that uh, makes the, the you know we should be including. But that's that's bigger news. Yeah. Who has that? Is that uh, is that it's, coming out everywhere now? Uh, yeah, it's coming out everywhere. TMZ had it first, and then yeah. uh, Metro Police confirmed that he's being charged with uh, DUI resulting in a death. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Three three thirty nine a.m. Jeez, yeah. awful. Yep. Awful. Awful. Um. All right. Uh. We got a couple more games to work through here. Uh. Panthers nineteen. Falcons thirteen. There's there's nothing to say about this. Falcons they got bullied. Uh. I think Kyle Pitts said he had his welcome to the NFL moment by having Stephon Gilmore just planted all over him all game. Uh. It was, it, I, I watched the game from start to finish. There's really nothing to say about what happened here. It was it was a snooze fest. Yeah, uh, Rams thirty eight, Texans twenty two. <laughs> yeah, the only interesting part about this was there were a lot of people that bet uh, that Rams like minus sixteen and a half, and right, they were right. up thirty eight to nothing, and they ended up getting a backdoor cover by allowing twenty two points in the fourth quarter, which uh, upset a lot of my friends because yeah. They were very pissy in the group chat on Sunday. <laughs> Vegas knows, you guys. Yep. Stop. Just Maybe. stop. <clears throat> Don't doubt Davis Mills and garbage time, baby. <laughs> uh, and then Green Bay, Arizona. That was um, that was a fun game. Yeah, uh, maybe the best game of the week. 24-21, uh, Arizona's first loss. But Yeah, it was weird because, like, I don't know how much there is to glean from this game because it was, like, if you watch this game, it was just weird. Yeah. Uh, Super wacky, like I, you, like especially towards the end of the game where you had uh, the, the like the the Packers. They had a chance to win this game like by much more convincing score than twenty four to twenty one. And you know you get down to the goal line and they just like forgot how to play football. Like all of them, uh, including the coaching <laughs> staff, it, it was so weird because like the entire night with AJ Dillon, basically any short yardage situation that they had, they were just like, all right, well. We got our running back who's fast and has like legs that weigh 400 pounds each. Let's just run him up the middle uh, and see if we can get this thing done. And it worked for the most part. And then when they got down to like the end of the game and it was time to really, uh, you know, just kind of put it away, they just went away from the strategy that had worked for them the entire game. And then at the end of the game, with, with the last play for the Cardinals, I mean, AJ Green just wasn't expecting a pass or didn't think the pass was going to come to him. We maybe thought it was a run play. He just run the corner off, but they were not on the same page at all. He threw it away, uh, intercepted, and the game was over. So, you know, it, it was it, it was a good game for the Packers because now you kind of get that tiebreaker 
uh, with the Cardinals if, when it comes down to like the number one seed stuff to, at the end of the season. But uh, in terms of like what we can glean from this game and, and you know projecting forward, uh, I don't really think that there was a whole lot. I think that you know these two teams are two of the best in the NFC, but it was just kind of a bizarre game, which is what seemed to happen whenever these two teams play. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at least it was fun. You know, that was that's that's the key takeaway. It was just an entertaining game to watch. Uh, all right, so it is we're going on two o'clock now on Tuesday. And no major trades happened while we were uh, working on the show. It looks like everything is sort of status quo right now. The the Henry Ruggs news is the big one coming out. I mean, USA Today will have news updates on that. Ruggs. Uh, did stay on the scene, showed signs of impairment, will be charged with DUI resulting in a death. Uh, so, you know, that story is just unfolding now. Uh, we'll have more on the trade deadline for the win. You know, we have a tracker going of any major deals. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. He's at Forverts. I'm at Chris Corman. Uh, you know, find us there and we'll be talking about everything that unfolds over the next little bit. We'll be back Thursday with a look ahead to week nine, uh, you know, getting, getting into November now and, and pushing toward the end of the season. Uh, I know, I feel like we said a lot this week that there was not a lot to glean from some of these games, but uh, it's just, it's a long season. That's how it goes. A longer season than ever before. So just sort mm. of happens that way. Um, Chuck, anything we missed, anything you didn't, we didn't get to talk about touch on. Uh, no, don't think so. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that the games next week are a little bit more excited because it's been like two dead weeks for the NFL. So, you know, we got a the big one, Mike White Thursday night football against Carson Wentz, <laughs> which, which didn't sound exciting like three days ago, but now I'm actually pretty intrigued with what happens. I I do. I want to watch this Mike White character. I want to see see what this is all about. So. Uh, should be should be a fun one. All right, we'll talk to you Thursday, everybody. Thanks for being here. Take care. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. 